attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. I had to, I had to throw the throw the Valerie Cherish in there this morning. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, another week of Gen D, Generation Disney, a little podcast where Dana and I like to babble on and think you like listening to what we have to say about all things Disneyland and Disney World and the world that we live in that Disney basically owns. You know, they kind of just like own the planet at this point. They definitely own a lot more real estate in my brain than they probably deserve, but (laughs) Disney owns everything. Disney owns owns ABC. Disney owns my brain. Disney owns your brain. Pretty much. Disney owns everything. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm good with it. I'm good. It's a happy little place as I drink my coffee out of my gigantic Mickey Mouse mug this morning. Oh, I don't have a Mickey mug, but I am going to take a picture of us drinking With our our coffees. coffees. Sorry, pause for selfie listeners. Uh, Yay! <laughs> with my um, yeah. So hi, um, hi. Lots to talk about. A lot of things have been happening lately, huh? Yeah, folks, we got a heavy Disney news episode coming your way because there's a lot of stuff that was dropped in the last few weeks, and I have a lot of thoughts. I know you do too, Adam. Yeah, yeah. And also stick around for stay with us, bear with us because we have a lot of important new stuff. But then we also have a very very important dive into the vault today Ooh, a deep dive into the vault yeah. yep love it litter and keyword well, deep dive that's your that's your tease oh okay mm. i already have thoughts yeah i have okay. an idea okay um but let's start off with our mouse musings and our disney mostly disneyland news but we got some d- big disney world news too Uh, The first one, and this, we're going to start off on a low note, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Masks are back for both Disney World and Disneyland parks. Only when you're indoors for anybody ages two and up right now. So that was announced at the end of July. And we're a couple weeks into August now at this point. I've heard that it's going just fine. People are dealing with it. But um, yes, if you are planning to visit the parks in the next Several months, I would say, you're wearing a mask indoors. Now, is there rule all rides you have to wear a mask on now, too? Like, is that is that what they're doing? Because I feel like, like I'm, you know, the Incredicoaster, do you have to wear a mask on the Incredicoaster now? I actually don't know because it's an outdoor ride if you have to. I, I don't really know. Yeah, I didn't look into that. I think for the indoor rides, you have to still wear your mask. That's what we had to do before. We're right. back here again with the indoor masks, but back and forth, I'm not pong. totally sure. Well, you know, there's an if if you all want some interesting reading, there was a Washington Post uh, editorial column this week that I shared on my face ache. That's what we call Facebook. Um, <laughs> that face ache, I like face that. Ache, <laughs> um, that was really, I mean, it, it was an incredible article, and I I'm going to look up what the title was so you all can find it. But it was like, we're not ready for this. Like, we just got back to a sense of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, like, we mentally as humans. So, okay, this is called Perspective. The Delta variant arrived at just the right time to break our spirits. And that really, it's, it's a really good column. And it just, it basically explains, like, my internal gut reaction to, oh, we have to wear masks again inside at Disneyland or inside anywhere in California. Like, especially... 
not all of California, but up here in the Bay and down in L.A., they've reinstituted local mask mandates for inside mm-hmm. anywhere you go, um, which is not the same across the country. Even in New York City, they don't have mask mandates back. But Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I, you know, but they are requiring vaccines to go to a restaurant, the gym, a movie theater. Like, you have to show your CDC vaccine card, which I think is smart. In New York. In New York. In New York, you have to. Yeah. I hope, I know that um, LA Times has been talking about that that's something that they're dangling. And I really hope that they do. I'm all for this. You know, let's show our vaccination cards so that we don't have to wear a mask if we don't want to. Um, and then also just know that yep. the people in your same vicinity have also been vaccinated. So, yeah, but that, the article is really good because it, it very much mirrors, I think, what everybody is going through that you're like, we like we went to Disneyland and it was like, what pandemic? And it was great. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, it's still here. And our spirits are being completely crushed because we've dealt with 18 months of this. And of messaging back and forth that we don't know what's what. So anyway, not to start the podcast on a downer, and we're going to move on to something way more entertaining in a second, but masks are back. But if you want to read, it really helps wrap your head around that. So Washington Post, uh, the Delta variant arrived at just the right time to break our spirits. So hmm. there's Well, that. and it's true. And even before we started this episode, Adam and I were talking about the news bits that we're going to talk about. And I was like, let's talk about masks early and get it out of the way because it's too depressing to talk about because we have some really exciting Disney news and I don't want the masks to just cloud it. But I think I need to read this article because that's exactly my mental state right now. With yeah, them. I think it's I think it's everybody's mental state about it. So, well, oh. Adam, let's let's talk about something that we are both very excited about. This is there's. We have an excited level on all of these things. This one's like middle of our excitement level. This is a new announcement about some alcoholic drinks, drinks. at California Adventure. Uh, yeah, California Adventure is getting in on the alcoholic Dole Whip game. Um, I am here for that. I'm here for it. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like I, you know, I think the other week I complained that like all the cocktails you can get at California Adventure minus like when you're at Lamplight Lounge are sugary, the vats of sugar and sweetness. Uh, this go, this is true, but I think there's one on here I might actually enjoy. So over at the the Snowman Frosted Treats, because I'm going to say it completely wrong. Adorable Snowman Frosted Treats. I'll say frosted, it. I'll say it because treats. you. Don't love that word, but the adorable, abominable snowman yeah. frosted treats. Oh, no. No, it's just adorable. Right abominable. Oh, it's just adorable. I never noticed that. Yeah, it's I never noticed that either. adorable snowman That's why was, <laughs> frosted treats. So over on Pixar Pier, there's always a line here, and it's always tough to get mobile ordering spots because people want their um, Dole Whip who aren't going into Disneyland Park. So this is kind of your option to get Dole Whip over at uh, California Adventure, mm-hmm. but they have finally gotten into the cocktail game over there. And there are two. I'm going to start with the one that I'm not as excited about. And then we'll go Good to the call. one that Dana and I are both super excited about. So the first one is the Pixar Pier Frosty Parfait with Blue Curacao. I always say that wrong, too. $13 is not that bad, actually, for the price point on it. It's- so it's lemons. It's non-dairy lemon soft serve. So Dole Whip. I don't know why they're not calling it Dole Whip, but sure. Uh, with blue raspberry swirl and a splash of blue curacao. So it's not going to be that alcoholic. Um, mm-hmm. 
so it's probably going to be pretty sweet. Yeah. It looks like one I've seen in pictures of Disney World. I think it's like the Polynesian. There's something very they have similar. All kinds but with a different of different name. Dole Whip uh, drinks at the Polynesian. Like I think you can get it with rum. You can get it with whatever you want over there, which is like Dole some like pineapple Dole Whip with rum and a hot day by the yeah. pool. Yeah, I'm here for that. So the other one, this is one Wait, that. Wait, hold on, Adam. Have what? I ever told you this? Did you know that you can get a rum-soaked Dole Whip at Trader Sam's at Disneyland Hotel? No. Yeah, if you go over to the outside section of Trader yeah. Sam's, they've got like the indoor Trader Sam's proper, the bar, mm-hmm. and then outside they serve the same drinks. Um, and over there, that's where you can get your boozy Dole Whip. And Ooh. so I've gone over there a few times with friends and we'll get them, you know, in between going to the parks and stuff. Ooh, that sounds, I think we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. The, the one that I am super excited about, which will probably beat the rum soaked one, the chili lime mango margarita. So that mm-hmm. is mango, essentially mango Dole Whip with tequila Chamoy, chamoy, whatever that is, chili lime seasoning and diced mango. That looks delicious. So it's going to be like a spicy mango margarita. Like I am, I am all here for that one. What is chamoy? chamoy? I don't know what cham- chamoy. I'm chamoy. Looking at that. Yeah. So. Oh, it's the it's it's tahine. It's tahine. Oh, it's like um, when you get the mangoes at Disneyland, yeah. and they've got that, which it's I a seasoning love. salt. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's tahine, by the way. Like we get tahine with lime all the time. Highly recommended. I oh, think it's this like a, is, it's it's gonna it's be so good. good. It's gonna be good. It says here, like somebody's tip is it's a large serving, so sharing is a good idea. No, 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 no. There will be no sharing. Like <laughs> I need the whole. thing. It looks really good. It's got mango chunks on the top, yeah. and it's like kind of a fiery red, orangey, sunbursty color. So yeah, it looks. I'm excited. Delicious. I think we need to go yeah. back right now. Well, I guess that leads to the next thing. That is an about, option. Right? Adam, that is a very <laughs> soon to be option. For Look at that segue. Boom. Look at that. Look Can't at that. tell. I used to be a news producer. Can you? Boom. <laughs> go on. Uh, well, everyone, the big exciting news. I think this is the most exciting news of the week that just came out. Annual passes are back at Disneyland, or they will be very soon. So on August 25th, they're going to release a four-tiered annual pass system that they've renamed the Magic Keys. So each of these different levels is a different key, which, by the way, I thought was kind of like, okay, why are we changing annual pass to Magic Key? But I looked, and I guess the old e-ticket, like ticket books that they used to give out before – um, before they changed everything in the parks, those were called the Magic Key ticket books. Uh, so that's think, where the name came from. So Kurt and I were talking about this last night about the Magic Keys because we were deciding if it makes sense for us to get one since we live up here and are we down and going to be – is it going to be worth it cost-wise for us to do? And then we were like, wait, it's essentially the AP program, but they've just renamed it. And then we were like, do we think they renamed it because AP got such a, like the annual pass program had such a negative connotation to it because it was always blamed for the parks being overcrowded and busy and all this stuff was because everybody in California was an AP holder at Disneyland. I don't think so. I think the reason is purely because they have a slightly different setup for this one. So let's go through it and you'll, I'll tell you the differences because I did have an annual pass for like a decade. Um, 
So like I mentioned, there are four different options and the price range is like from $400 a year to about $1,400 a year. Um, and the exciting thing for all of these passes is that they are offering the monthly payment plan. So if this is something you're interested in, you don't want to fork over the entire dough, you can do a monthly plan except for the base level one, which is only for SoCal well, residents. And you can only do a payment plan if you live in California. You can only pay by monthly if you're a California resident. So it like lists yes. out all the zip codes in California and says you have to live in one of these zip codes to be able to do the payment plan. So if you live in Phoenix and you drive to L.A. often, sorry, Arizonans, no payment plan for you. I know. Um, OK, so let's go through the four different kinds. There's the. Oh, hold on. Let me pull back up because I put it on here. Okay, so there are four different kinds. The first one, the base level, is the Imagine Key at $399. We'll just say $400. All of these keys, by the way, everything is reservation-based at this point. So if you're looking to go, which I think this is the biggest reason why this is different from annual pass to um, the Magic Keys, you now have to make a reservation in advance. And that also goes across the board. If you're just a regular guest visiting Disneyland, you have to make reservations. Um, but the Imagine Key is available for Southern California residents only. It's $19 a month or $400 total. And you get up to two park reservation holds at a time, 10% off merchandise and 10% off food and beverage. The next one is the Enchant Key. That's at $649 for the year or $40 a month. This is also reservation-based. You can have up to four park reservation holds at a time and also 10% off food, beverage, and merchandise. The next one is the Believe Key at $949 a year or $65 a month. And this reservation allows you to have up to four park reservations. At oh, I a thought time. that one was six. Is it not? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I read the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> this, let me start over that part. This key, the Believe key, offers up to six park reservations at a time 10% off merchandise, 10% off food and beverage. And they are also, also offering 50% off the parking garage. So that's big. They didn't offer that before, but the price is up a little bit since before as well. And then the final one, the big one, is the Dream Key. So that one is $13.99 for the year or $102 per month. Uh, you can also make up to six park reservation holds at a time. You get 20% off merchandise, 15% off food and beverage, and the parking is included. Now, the other big piece to all of these is the blockout date. So yep. all of them have different blockout dates except for that top tier. The Dream Key, you can go anytime as long as you make that reservation in advance. Um, the next level below that, the Believe, is pretty open for almost every day except for the major holidays. It's down for two weeks in Around, around Christmas, it's down for a week around spring break and some of those big holidays like Easter. Yeah, I think we were looking at that. And the only mm -hmm. the only other thing is uh, October and July, you can't go on Saturdays and October and July. That was the big. But you can on Sundays. Right. 
But we're for fine us, with it. our debate is because it's much easier for us to go down for a day at the park on Saturday and enjoy a full day than Sunday because we have to get back here. So that's our only well, our only hesitation. But then we're like, it's only two months of the year that you can't go on Saturdays. And let's be honest, really one month, you don't even want to come down here. July is so hot. You don't really want to go to the parks that badly in the <laughs> super hot summer months. Um, the next one is the Enchant Key. This had a little bit more blockout dates than the Believe. It was the same kind of peak holiday, winter, summer times that we're talking about. And almost all of the Saturdays are out for that one. And then the base one, Imagine, that was the whole summer is blocked out. Most of December is blocked out. And then almost all of the weekends. And that's are the one that's out. only so, for Southern California, right? Correct. So if you are somebody who can go visit the park often on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, that is a great deal for you. But if you're like us and work Monday through Friday and so weekends are really the only time to go, I would look at probably the Believe or the um, top, you know, the, the top two tier ones. Yeah, I think we so we we debated this for a while last night because we were trying to do a price comparison. Like we were like, OK. We spent to go down on a busy weekend when we went, we spent $290 a ticket. So just under $600 for park tickets for two days of park hopping, right? So mm-hmm. that was for both of us. So single person was $300. If we do the believe key, because we'll, we will make the effort to go down more if we know we've got the passes and the reservations, right? So it's like, if we do the believe key, will we make will it pay for itself and some over the year? And I think we last night we were both like, yeah, I think it does. Because then like if we have like, you know, family that's coming out to California to visit and they want to go down like we've talked to my mother in law, like she's like, oh, I'd love to fly to L.A. and we could go to Disneyland for a day and then drive up to San Francisco. And like, you know, that'd be fun to take my mother in law to Disneyland or we have other friends who come to California and they want to go down there. And we obviously want to be there as much as we can. So maybe it does make sense to do it. I think it does. I think the question you should also ask yourselves is, are you planning to do more than one trip to Disney World in the year and factor that in? Because a Disney World trip for a week staying at a moderate or a deluxe resort is probably going to put you at like, and let's throw in airfare, is probably going to put you at like with your family of three, though you have a, a baby who can get in for free to the theme parks, you're probably looking at what, like $5,000, yeah. $6,000 for a week-long trip. So if you think you're going to do that one time, probably can can manage it. But if you're going to do multiple trips to Disney World, I wouldn't get an annual pass. If you think you're going to come down to Disneyland more than three times this year, I would get an annual pass. Yeah, and I think we will. And I think that that's where we're at. Because like we're already talking about we want to be down there soon. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to go down when Haunted Mansion Holiday is up. We want to go down and ride Jungle oh, Cruise. Love and like, one. it's really just figuring out the logistics. I think it's such a bummer that they're not doing the Northern California Pass that they used to offer. Um, so pre in the before times, there was a Northern California Pass where it was a reservation based system where it was significantly cheaper, but you had to book your your visits out thirty at least thirty days in advance. You had to say, okay. We know we're going to come. So you had to make a reservation for the to use the Northern California mm-hmm. Pass. Uh, but they had like weekends were this, available and all this stuff. And this was the Flex Pass, right? Yeah, it was the Northern California Flex Pass. And you had okay. to live in the zip codes up here in the Bay and 
further north in Sacramento and whatever. Um, so they've gotten rid of that, which is a bummer because I think we would have done the Northern Cal Flex Pass had that still been a thing. Because, you know, for us, it's really just navigating. And I think for everybody who lives up in Northern California who loves Disney, like, I mean, every time we've flown down to Anaheim for a touch of Disney and then when we went to Disneyland, like the plane is just full of people. The only people flying into Anaheim <laughs> on a Friday afternoon are people going to Disneyland for the weekend. So <laughs> it's like there's a lot of us up here who like to go down and you even see cars driving around up here in the Bay like you do in Southern California with the AP mouse ears uh, on the back of the oh, car. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it's like, yeah. I So it really, I guess what I'm saying is it's really having to figure out the what's the most cost-effective way and time-effective way to get down there and enjoy a day, day and a half, um, and then get back up here. Because honestly, it's going to probably be easier to drive down mm-hmm. than fly down. Um, but then we have to add in the cost of a hotel for a night when we go down. So it's things like that are actually two nights of a hotel, Friday and Saturday night, if we're going down over a weekend. So yeah. those are the things we kind of have to factor in. And you're looking at a six plus hour drive. So right. that's significant. And so maybe it's more time off you have to get from work to take the whole day of Friday off, for example, than flying in. So yeah, it's six of one, half a dozen the other. Financially, it might be a little easier. We we drive to Vegas all the time because we don't want to fly and make that, you know, it, it becomes expensive. But you can fly to Vegas for like 30 minutes and you're there. Right. So it's well, it's and that's hard. the same like flying down to Anaheim. It's only it's less than an hour, wheels up to wheels down. But you also have to factor in the we have the baby, we have all the stuff. Like you get to the airport, you deal with the security. And by the way, if you if you all haven't flown lately, oh, travel is back and it is worse than ever because there are less people working at the airports. There's longer lines. It's just Flying is not not a lovely experience at the moment, um, and everybody is short-tempered. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day when I flew down to L.A. for work. The by, I figured out by the time I got to SFO, did the rigmarole, had a coffee, got on the plane, sat on the tarmac. We got delayed, sat on the tarmac, took mm-hmm. off, landed – got off the plane, waited for the rental car bus, got out to the rental car place, got the rental car, I could have driven in the same amount of time that that took. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also think the drive is really pretty. I mean, you can, it's it's the California coast, yeah. so you can have this really gorgeous drive down the coastline or this really ugly drive down the five. Yeah, but the ugly drives are the fast cows and stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, the drive down the coast is beautiful, but it takes forever. And the drive down the five yeah. is a much faster because I, I I mean, hopefully California Highway Patrol is not listening to this podcast, but I have never seen anybody pulled over on the five. And the like speed limit is, I think, 70 or 75. But the flow it's of high, traffic yeah. is like 95. People zoom down that thing. I don't know. Is it like I that know. on the way to Vegas, too? That people just. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. It is. There's more. I see more highway patrol and you see like right when you hit Nevada's state line, a big um, Nevada patrol location. But um, you really don't see as many cops on the road out there. But real quick, I wanted to mention a couple other perks I didn't know that were part of this magic key program that are a little bit different. So I mentioned that, you know, you get 
10 to 20% off food, merchandise, beverages based off of whatever um, key you hold. But they also are going to do a magic key holder month with special celebrations. No clue what that means. They kind of did something similar with annual passes, and it was like a couple of special days where they kept the park open longer and stuff like that. That's fun. They also have a – oh, they have this – terrace that they're going to announce i don't know where i imagine it's probably going to be in california adventure but they have a magic key terrace which is a reservation based lounge for key holders and family and friends Ooh! so who knows what that's gonna be that but i'm be excited fun. about it i know plus they've got some special magic key um, pass holder like photo ops and stuff that are just specific to the magic key holders so um so the one that we're excited about, the reason, because we're suckers for a gimmick, um, the reason we might actually join is to be the, like, what are, I, they're calling it the founding members or the charter charter members of the program. So if you buy into the Magic Key program in the first 66 days to celebrate 66 years of Disneyland, um, you are a charter member and there's going to be, like, they're sending you, like, a, a welcome gift of like a collector's pin and some other stuff and like special little yeah. things that they haven't exactly said what those are but i think that's kind I'm of sure a cool it's, it's cute i'm sure it's gonna be a, another car magnet and a lanyard and a pin but i'll take it hey i'll take it to be a charter member of the magic key program at disneyland you know the only other question i have about this are they gonna bring back one day they had like the ultimate disney pass that when we lived in new york we actually debated getting and it was <gasps> I know the what one talk about. that was an ap at disney world and at disneyland because when we lived in new york we would often go to disney world because it was a quick flight down from new york and then we'd probably go to disneyland two or three times a year and we thought Oh, this pass is genius for a New Yorker, right? Like, because you could. So I wonder if they're going to bring that back. I don't know. And I will say for all of our Disney World fans out there listening, they haven't announced an annual pass program Mm -hmm. yet for Disney World, but it's coming. So Disneyland's pass opens on the 25th of August. I've heard that around that same time or maybe right before they're going to announce the Disney World one. I really, I don't know. I would love for that to exist, the the annual. It was like called Legacy or Premier Pass. Neither of those are right, but it was something like that. I have friends who had it, and I think it was about the same price as the top tier of Disneyland passes right now. I think it was around fourteen or 1500 yeah. for the year. Yeah, but okay, so the only other thing they need to bring back if they're going to bring back these passes, because obviously more and more of us Californians will be returning to the Anaheim Country Club, uh are max pass they need to bring max pass back it was so Ugh. good it was so good don't it i was know worth, it. it was worth the 15 20 whatever it was you got the free photos mm-hmm. with it you had the it was the easiest way on your phone to get your fast passes and like it it just worked so well they need to bring it back because they have to figure out how to manage these lines because they're gonna have angry angry people if all of a sudden every line is an hour plus like it's starting to I can become only, some of the rides. I can only imagine that they are about to announce something, some capacity of a fast pass program being returned because they can't not at this point, especially at Disney World. I mean, Disney World is very full now. We, we 
just so you know, Disney is not announcing their capacity levels any longer. I have a lot of clients who ask me like, will we get to wait in 15 minute lines for Space Mountain? No, those days are gone, unfortunately. And there's no fast pass system in place right. yet. I'm sure they will find something. Well, so one of the parks, not been announced. one of the parks does have a fast pass system back in place and it's Disneyland Paris. They have the premier access, le premier. I don't know how you would say in French. It's too early for me to even try. (laughs) Um, But they have a premier access, which also United Airlines should sue them for taking that. Um, But they have a premier access thing at Disneyland Paris. It's insane. It's like if you want to skip a line, it's like eight euros a ride, which is like, I don't know, ten, eleven dollars. Yeah. For every ride you want to skip. Like every line you want to skip. That's crazy to me, but I guess it's working. I don't know. You're already paying a fortune to get in there. It's like a weird take on Universal's Express Pass. Now, I think the Express Pass is the way to go. And I tell this to clients all the time. Um, Universal Studios Orlando, we're talking about here, not California. They have this program where if you stay in one of their, what is the equivalent of a deluxe hotel at Universal, then they've got three of them. It's like the Hard Rock, the Portofino, and the uh, Royal something. Yeah, other. the Royal, the uh, one that's like a knockoff. The Royal of the Pacific. Polynesian. Yeah, that's where we stayed. The Royal and that's Pacific. That's when we got the Max Pass or the. Yeah, so you get you get this ex- unlimited Express Pass with your stay there, and so I think it's comparable to you know paying it for a deluxe resort, and you get an unlimited fast pass. So I highly recommend it. Otherwise you can pay for it. And here's another trick about Universal that Disney doesn't do. Disney kind of sets their prices and they are that price for as long as they are on the market. Universal watches the market and they up their price the closer to the date that you're traveling. So Mm. I always tell people book out, in general, book your trip out like seven to nine months in advance. But if you're planning to do Universal Orlando, definitely book it nine months out because then you're going to get a lower rate than if you booked it two months out. You might be paying almost double. And that same is with the ticket prices. You can buy an unlimited pass, but the price moves up the closer you get to your vacation window. Yeah, it's like flying. Um, no, we did that. I mean, it was it was better than a fast pass. We didn't wait in a single line at Universal when we did the when we did the Express Pass. You just literally waltz yep. on in there, they scan your ticket and off you go. And it was great. I had yep. zero complaints about that system whatsoever. Um well so I hope that you guys do get an annual pass selfishly so that you guys will come down here more often and go to Disneyland with us. But no I'm all we'll for see. what you guys whatever you choose. I, I think we are I know us on August twenty fourth, twenty fifth, whatever that is, we're gonna be on there buying Yes, we'll be on there waiting, and I'm sure it's going to be the never-ending virtual queue again of the uh, riding around Big Thunder, but uh, we'll be there, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we're going to get it, and that's that, and then we'll see you in a couple weeks at Disneyland. Yes. Well, good. (laughs) Then we'll start planning. Yes. Um, But let's go over to the East Coast again and talk for a minute about the new news of Disney World. They announced the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser pricing. Now, first off, I don't know if we've talked a lot about this yet, but the Galactic Cruiser is this apparently going to be a super cool 
fully immersive, interactive uh, Star Wars experience. It's a two-night stay in a galactic universe where you are kind of in a combo of like role-playing and fully immersed in the Star Wars universe uh, in this state-of-the-art brand new hotel that is connected to Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios. I think uh, here's how Disney describes it. I think it's probably the best way to, to say it. So they say it's a part live immersion theater, part themed entertainment, part culinary extravaganza, part real life role playing game. You can interact with characters on the cruiser and choose if you want to stick in the first order rules or help out the resistance in a secret plot. Uh, you can also decide if you want to engage in the narrative or just chill out and enjoy the atmosphere. I think that sounds so crazy. It sounds cool. so especially cool. if you're a Star Wars fan. Yeah, like I think we would totally be into this um, until we saw the pricing. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So they announced their pricing, and I can't stress enough: this is a two day long Star Wars like role playing experience. So this is two days. You do get a fair amount with this. You do get to have access to Hollywood Studios and you can visit the whole section of the park and all of that. But their pricing for two people is going to cost you at least $4,809 or about $1,200 per guest per night. So that is wildly it's insane. expensive. It's insane. And like, what? And then if you're trying to take a family, like parents and a kid it's like what what was it for them it it goes down a little bit when you add more people so a um so the cost of three people two adults and one child will start at five thousand two hundred and ninety nine dollars and that comes out to about like 885 a person so there's there's like a lot i will give a lot of money for to disney to have a nice vacation and enjoy this is too much like it's probably amazing and going to be absolutely incredible and an amazing experience. But for the 1% of the 1% who get to go do this, enjoy it. But this is not made for or priced for the everyday Disney visitor. It's a very exclusive thing. I mean, this is up there. Like people who pay for the VIP tours will be doing this. Like it's, it's way too much. You don't even get booze included with this you get meals i think but like you do you get meals throwing in like well well cocktails like come on it's insane for four people you're looking at almost six thousand dollars in a two night for two nights stay which is going to be incredible we don't disagree that this is going to be an amazing experience but here's what i did i also priced out like all the other disney world offerings you know if you wanted to just go in the spring of 2022 i looked at 2022 prices um a three-day park hopper ticket and staying at one of their value resorts is gonna run you and one other guest i'm talking about two adults here two adults three-day park hopper ticket two nights at a value resort is going to be a little over a thousand dollars for that same window of time, a thousand bucks for two people. A moderate is going to put you at like thirteen hundred, and a deluxe. I did the Polynesian, and I put you in a theme park view, so the highest yeah. tiered room you could get at the Polynesian for two nights, three day park hopper ticket, two thousand six hundred dollars. So you can stay at the fanciest, one of the fanciest hotels 
at Disney World and go visit three parks doing a hopper. Well, all the parks if you for, do a hopper, yeah. Yeah, all the parks. Um, it's going to be under $3,000 to do that for, for a party of two. And meanwhile, you're spending, if you do the Star Cruiser, you're spending nearly $5,000 for a party of two. And you get to go to Hollywood Studios for a little chunk of time. I mean, look, the experience is going to be insane and immersive, and every out-of-this-world Star Wars fan is going to be jazzed about it and want to go do it. And it's going to be probably like, if you can save up and take your kids on there, like, your kids' minds are going to be blown by this thing. But, like, I, it's not worth it to me. I don't know. Well, I will say the other thing that I think is the closest to what this experience promises is a Disney cruise, uh, which we have not done our Disney cruise yet. We did book one, though. We booked the Disney Wish for December of 2022. I just looked at like a three-night cruise to the Bahamas and to Castaway Key. That, for a party of two, is about (laughs) $2,000. So. And that you get meals, you don't get cocktails, and you don't get the fancy restaurant, but like – but it's With all that, inclusive and it's very immersive. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, guys. I think that this sounds so cool and I really want to do it. If anybody wants to pay for Adam and I yeah. to go experience the Galactic Star Cruiser, we will happily abide. <laughs> but I think I'm going to wait a few years on this. I, I would rather do a Disney cruise. I'd rather put yeah. my money towards an annual pass, all those kinds of things. Uh, more bang for your buck than doing this galactic cruiser yeah i agree with you i think you know and i wonder if this is just initial pricing and over the next couple years the price on this thing is going to go down because i don't know how they sustain it may i mean look they've got analysts who figure out how to price everything and the money and so they must know that there's a market for this at that price point but i i cannot see that sustaining but then again like people book vip tours all the time and just come up with this money to do it so Oh, the haves I will and the have of Disney. <laughs> I know, the haves and the haves not. I will say I did a little poll on my Instagram just to see who would pay this price. And 80% of the people who participated said, no, they will not. I mean, you have to really be committed to the Star Wars thing if you're going to do this, right? Like, you've got to be full on, like, I am going to buy into this for, you know, for two days. Like, they shouldn't like I was reading the description of the cabins that there's a TV where you can view things from planet Earth or something. Right. And I was like, that's like, you better not be watching a college football game from your Star Cruiser room when you've paid five thousand dollars to be in this like immersive experience. Like, no, 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 no. Like they you, should only you allow to you to in. watch the Star Wars movies. On, yes. Like you can only there's two channels. She's not there, RIP, but Stacy talking about Disney and then the Star Wars channel. And that's all you get. <laughs> that's all you get. Like, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's going to be great. And we're going to probably be super jealous when we see people going. And we're sure, like, every one of those uh, Disney vloggers will somehow be there and staying there and putting insane videos out about it. But so, you know, watch, like, I'm sure Tim Tracker is going to go. Just watch his video or Molly oh, will yeah. be there. And, like, you can enjoy it that way. From the comfort yeah. of your own home with <laughs> not. And then maybe in a few years. Savings. I also would say, I would say like, this is such a pretty penny. You got to go with some diehard Star Wars fans yep. who really want to enjoy it. My four-year-old does not know Star Wars enough. We did name her 
kind of after a Star Wars character. Her name's Rey, and it was not not influenced by Rey from Star Wars, but she doesn't know Star Wars well enough. I wouldn't take her until she's like super into it. And I remember I was nine or 10 when I watched the first Star Wars movies and loved them. And I think that's a good age to see them. But right now, it wouldn't be a great time to take a four-year-old. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I I am curious to see how they're going to do the bus that takes them from the Star Cruiser to Batuu. Like they keep talking about they're building the like entrance into Batuu from the Star Cruiser port thing or whatever. And it's a bus. But I'm imagining it's going to be very similar to like um, the first part of Rise of the Resistance where you're like the video, the windows are going to be video screens or actually like at Universal um, the Hogwarts Express that goes between Islands of Adventure and Universal that's like the windows right. are video screens and you feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see when it's all done, but not not worth 5000 for me. Not yeah, gonna do me it. neither. But someday we will One do day. it someday. It will be on One our day. Disney bucket list. But again, it, like Dana said, if you want to sponsor our trip to Disney World when this opens and hear us review it, we'll happily take you up on that and be freeloaders. Well, Fine. We'll happily take any um, sponsors. Well, we jokingly keep saying we'll just start plugging people until they give us money to really plug them. Um, All right. Well, that does it for the news this week. Okay. So we haven't done a vault in a couple weeks here. So we are going to literally dive into the vault. Literally dive. Can I guess? Dive. Dive. Can I guess? Yeah. I got got you. I got the dive. Um, I'm going to guess the... 20,000 leagues under the sea because it's the only thing that's like underwater. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. But I mean, Nemo and friends. But we're talking Nemo. Now. We're going to okay. talk Nemo. Okay. So, yeah. Um, you know, this is one of my favorite parts of the park. It's beautiful. Like the lagoon at Disneyland where the Finding Nemo submarine voyage is, is beautiful. And what I found out was the reason it has all these incredible colors is because they painted the rocks underwater with glass with different colored glass. And that when the sun hits it, it's, I mean, it's just magical. Like that entire lagoon, I could stare at it all day. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite parts of Disneyland park. I think it's just set and stunning and beautiful. And like, you don't even need the ride there. I could just stare at the lagoon. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it it was not an original part of Disneyland. It opened in 1959 and it opened as the Disneyland Submarine Voyage. It wasn't it wasn't labeled after 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That was at Disney World. They built a similar. Oh. So at the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, there was a um, lagoon, which is where mm-hmm. the L- Little Mermaid's Voyage is now. There used to be a lagoon there. And they ended up, when they closed 20,000 Leagues Into the Sea over there, the Nautilus Voyage, they just paved it over and put in um, the Little Mermaid. But in the line to the Little Mermaid uh, Voyage at Disney World, you can look for some little things from the Nautilus, like in the queue, like little throwbacks to it, because that's what they do. Um, So look. I love those little nods that they do to all those rides. I think it's cute. Yep. So our our buddy uh, Tony Baxter, his his name's coming up again because of course love uh, love Tony. So love they me built, some Tony. So they opened this thing in 1959, and it was loosely based on the Nautilus, like the the one at Disneyland was. So that's why it wasn't called that. It was just the Disneyland Submarine Voyage. Um, 
It was opened, but it was it is still to this day one of the most expensive rides to maintain at Disneyland Park. And so it opened in 1959, and then in 1998, it was announced that they would be closing it that September. But that they were going to do something with it, but nobody knew what. So uh, that came along. They closed, and it just sat there empty. as this, But it's still beautiful. It's a great photo spot and beautiful, right? And so it just sat there mm-hmm. in these eight submarines. By the way, fun fact, the submarines that you ride on on the uh, what is now Finding Nemo were the original submarines from 1959, and it is one of the largest submarine fleets in the country, or actually in the world, sorry. Wow. So there are eight submarines uh, on the attraction, and it is still uh-huh. to this day one of the largest submarine fleets in the world, being eight of them. Hmm. Fun fact, and they're still there. So um, it closed. Uh, in 98, in September. And then they said, okay, we're going to open it with a new theme by 2003. And the first idea was to do it as an Atlantis theme. And they were like, ah, well, then Atlantis tainted the box office. So that didn't happen. And it just sat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was an idea of like a treasure planet type thing. And then there was also an idea of Little Mermaid. And all that like just never came to fruition. So it just sat there empty. Well, then, but actually, hold on. I want to go back because I almost forgot. One of the coolest things that when this first opened, there were mermaid cast members. So how cool is this? So they used to have cast members who were mermaids. They put the fin on and they'd sit on the rocks out in the lagoon and they would also swim around in the lagoon. And so when you were on the submarine voyage, you could look out the window and see the the cast members swimming in there as mermaids. So they had little mermaid swimmers. Um, apparently they said part of the reason, one of the rumors as to why they got rid of the mermaids was because guests were like trying to jump in the lagoon and swim over to them to take photos with them. Like crazy. Yeah. People are crazy. (laughs) We know this, but I heard that they would try to jump in to like, go ask them on dates because there were obviously beautiful women playing these, these mermaid characters. I also had heard that the women playing the mermaids were getting massively sunburned, that they were out there for hours and that they were like their hair was starting to turn green from like the chlorine and chemicals. Yeah, they said it was super chlorinated. Like the lagoon was insanely chlorinated. And so like that theme park water smell, that can't be good for your skin. So they eventually got rid of them. Like they got rid of the guys climbing on the Matterhorn. Like, can we just, I think for an anniversary, they need to bring it all back. Like they need to bring the Matterhorn climbers back. They need to bring the mermaids back. Don't make them get in the water. Like put some SPF 100 on them and have them sit out on the rocks. Right. Like, I think that'd be really fun for a day or a week or something as like a kitschy, like throwback. But we saw we saw some hikers once, and this was like 2010 or 11 on oh, Matterhorn. Really? They were doing a stunt. I don't remember what it was for, but they were doing some sort of promotional stunt for a movie, like not filming something. It was just to promo a movie. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it was a big deal. We were just happened to be there because we were pass holders, and that was going on that day. Um, also, as an aside, you just unlocked another memory of mine. Have you ever seen a picture or video of Mickey Mouse on top of the Epcot ball? Yes. There's yeah. like, they put him up there once and there's like a video of him like waving his arms. And my husband and I think it's hilarious because he looks like he's trying to shout like, help, I'm stuck here on the top of a ball. Like, this is scary. <laughs> but 
it was again one of those little stunted promo things. I love it though. That he should be up there all the time. Oh gosh. Just hanging out. Like, wait, no, no? Okay. Get me down. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so anyway, they they kept being like, what do we do with this? Because they really had talked about draining it and closing it and paving it over like they had done at Disney World. But fans were like, no, this is classic. Like the submarine voyage, it's beautiful. It's this iconic part of the park. Um, and really, it's one of the most peaceful corners of the park. I keep going back to that, but in my mind, it's one of my most favorite places because it's kind of tucked in that back corner, that front back corner between Tomorrowland and um, and over towards when you head back out towards Fantasyland and it's a small world. And it's just this peaceful little spot back there with the Matterhorn and everything else. So anyway, eventually, rumors started flying around because this little movie was in development at Pixar called Finding Nemo. And rumors started flying around that they were going to uh, turn the submarine voyage into a Finding Nemo themed ride. And that's exactly what they did. So um, they, you know, they, they, what I mentioned earlier, they took this basically glass and used that to paint the rocks underwater. And it gives it that just stunning colors that you get colors. They said they actually invented some colors for this ride Whoa. and for what you see. And that's why it's just beautiful to look at. Like I'm not a fan of the actual finding Nemo ride. I think it's like the submarines are claustrophobic and you're in there and it's not great. The technology is cool. How they bubble it up, make you actually feel like you're diving down underwater, but the thing actually never goes underwater fully. Um, you're underwater mm-hmm. on the ride, but the submarine never goes all the way under. Um, and the, the animation is great when you're staring at the peepholes, but like it's it's not the best ride. I've fallen asleep in this ride a couple of times. Um, <laughs> but that said, it is beautiful to look at. But even from the top, I think it's absolutely stunning to just look at, like get yourself, a, you know, a coffee or whatever and go stand over there and enjoy the view of the water. So that all opened um, and. You know, I wanted the, I wanted the, there are some fun facts actually about the ride because I don't want to the ride's cute. It tells the Finding Nemo story very similar to like the Finding Nemo ride at um, Epcot where it basically tells. Yeah. Right. Which that one's super cool, too. Right. Because of how they I'm more amazed with that one and how they animate the fish in the actual tanks with the other fi- with real fish. Yeah, so folks, if you've never done the Epcot Finding Nemo ride, it's like living in the seas with Nemo and friends or something like that. It's super cute. And at the end, this ride passes by. They have this super large aquarium with, I think, fresh fresh or saltwater yeah, fish. Think, I'm not sure, yeah. but one of them. A bunch of fish in there. And so the same technology they use with these submarine uh, windows, they have animated – or projected the Nemo characters onto the screen of the actual fish fish tank. So you see real fish swimming by next to the cartoon starfish who's talking to you and Nemo waving goodbye and stuff like that. So it's super cute. Yeah, it is super cute. I, I love it. It's such a, I was actually fun fact. I was actually there for the opening of when they redid the whole sea land yeah over at epcot i was actually sea there. pavilion i don't know what yeah. it's called the sea um, area sea, yeah so i was actually there for the opening of it because i was working it was when i was working at good morning america we went back down for the opening of this and that was the craziest party i've ever been to in my life 
we showed up and it was like this preview party that Disney threw in the pavilion and you could ride the Finding Nemo ride. You could go into Turtle Talk with Crush, which he definitely like they definitely knew their audience that this was a bunch of grownups drinking alcohol at this party. And so like they were (laughs) the actor doing Crush was having fun with it because, you know, that's an actual actor behind the screen watching the audience and is rigged up to make Crush move. So um Mm -hmm. This party was the craziest thing. They had like Cirque du Soleil acrobats like in like hanging from the ceiling. And then they had like just other ones just standing on tables, dancing, all looking like fish creatures. It was the weirdest thing. But then what was so messed up is the food they were serving was sushi. (laughs) No. (laughs) Disney. They were literally serving sushi at the Finding Nemo grand opening. (laughs) I don't know whose idea that was, but like, you know, fish are friends, not food. What? And then we're serving, you know, little slices of Nemo. But anyway, back to the one in California. So some fun facts. Um, This is to date. It's about the eighth. Like I said, it's the eighth largest submarine fleet in the world, which is crazy Mm -hmm. that it's not a big military installation that has the eighth largest submarine fleet. It's Disneyland. Um, they were originally gray, um, and then that was to make it look more military militaristic. And then in uh-huh. about, uh, I want to say mid eighties, they painted them to the yellow color that they are now. And they kept them yellow for the Finding Nemo ride, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Cause it also and- does feel very like cartoonish, right? The yellow and the blue. It's like, it's the Beatles, yellow yeah. submarine. We all live in yellow <laughs> submarine. So thank you for that. Speaking of that. So <laughs> in case they, you didn't know. <laughs> so all the submarines have names, but there's only one of the boats, one of the boats, submarines, that is still has its original name, and that is the Nautilus. And so that oh. was that's kind of cool because it was actually christened by I have to look at this again. So it was christened in 1959, the Nautilus boat, the submarine. They did a christening mm-hmm. at the attraction. And it was, uh, yeah, it was christened by this woman named Mildred Nelson, who was the wife of the chief machinist on the real life USS Nautilus. So that's kind of cool. Aww. They brought her out to break the, gl- break the bottle over the um, Disneyland Nautilus. And so that is the that's one. Cute. Yeah. So that's the one that has actually kept its name. The rest of them have been renamed Wait, multiple times. Where does Go. it say their names? Does it tell you where it's on the top? So next time you're there, when you see the you see the tops of them sticking out, like where the uh-huh. cast member sits in that bit, it's on there. So just look to the side on the side and you'll see the name of the boat. On there, kind of like you know, the cool. Jungle Cruise boats have their names and all that. Yeah, these mm-hmm. they all have the name right there. So look for that. Um, there, so so again, this was like a tribute originally opened as this uh tr- Disneyland's version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Then at Magic Kingdom, they actually built it as 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, there is one park where they actually still have Nautilus. And it is the coolest thing. Do you know which park still has a Nautilus? And you can well, walk Disneyland through it. because you just said it. No. Wait. Uh, the actual like twenty thousand leagues under the sea. So like still oh. has that a, an attraction that is a hundred percent 
20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Jules Verne. Oh, well, if you said Jules Verne, then I'm going to guess Tokyo Disney Sea. No? Disneyland Paris. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they don't have like a Tomorrowland at Disneyland Paris, right? So their whole area Mm -hmm. is very, that area is very Jules Verne inspired. And so the Space Mountain that we've talked about was like a very Jules Verne inspired Space Mountain, the design and everything. Well, out front of it, Space Mountain kind of sits in a lagoon at Disneyland Paris. And out front Mm -hmm. is the Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And it's an interactive walkthrough exhibit that you go into attraction i guess and it's you're walking through the nautilus and there's stuff to look at and see through and like yeah it's really cool it's like a fun little last remaining throwback to that so um you know look they they have said that to this day it's still one of the most expensive rides it closed down for a bit um so it opened as finding nemo in uh june of 2007 they did have to shut it down for a length of time. I believe it was, uh, yeah, in 2014. So seven years later, they had to shut it down for a lengthy refurbishment to basically re-up the coral and the colors and all that stuff underwater. Say so the drain it and put up the construction walls around mm-hmm. and did all that. Now it's still not open post pandemic. It is like, Right. Allegedly, it's going to open this winter is what they're saying. But I think that also probably depends on COVID because you're kind of it's kind of like a germ incubator in there because you're in this like tight and close space with a lot of people. And I don't think it it makes sense for them to run it one party at a time in the submarine. Yeah. Yeah. And to staff it, it's probably too expensive for a smaller crowd. So I understand that. I'm sure it'll be back up and running one day, though. Yeah, so that's kind of the the fun little brief history, a few little fun facts about the submarine voyage. Um, It's pretty cool. I mean, it was the technology when they opened it in 59 was just, again, like everything else Disney was doing was out of this world, right, for them. Like you literally felt like you were going underwater and some of the same technology they kept for it to become the Finding Nemo ride. Yeah, you know what? Here's my not so fun fact. I have never been on that ride. I think it's what? the only Disneyland ride I've never been on. Yep. Oh, I might. I, don't, I get a little. Go what? ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I get a little claustrophobic. So I have just always avoided it. I don't like the idea of one, being underwater and two, being in really tight places with that many people. Well, there is a remedy for that on this attraction. Did you know that? No. Yeah, so because, A, there isn't, like, an accessible way to get on to this ride because you have to go down these, like, narrow stairs to get on to the submarine. And so if you have accessibility issues or um, you are too claustrophobic and don't want to go on it but you want to experience it, you can say to the cast member, here's your hot tip to leave everybody with today. Say, I want to go to the Marine Observation Outpost, right? And they are going to take you to a separate room near the queue, which is very spacious. And there's a big monitor and you can watch a video feed of the ride from there to experience the ride. Oh, okay. I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah, without having to go get on the boat. So it's kind of a neat way to experience it. Or if like you don't want to go on, but your family wants to go on, like your family can go on it and you can go watch from uh, this room, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. 
that's cool if they thought that because yeah. yeah, it's just always turned me off with the idea of being under. It's more the underwater than the close proximity with other people. I've got a thing about being underwater for a long period of time. It kind of mm. freaks me out. Yeah, you incur no submarine like rides for me. Do you like snorkeling? Yeah. Have you gone snorkeling? Don't love it. I I have done snorkeling. I, you know, in Hawaii and stuff, in Mexico, we'll do the snorkeling. If it's like in an enclosed area and it's very shallow, I can handle it. But I, in Mexico once, we did one of those like go out on a boat far away and the deep dive snorkeling, couldn't handle it. Couldn't. I don't like being fully immersed. So we were, so fun, quick story. We were in Australia years and years ago. And we were in Western Australia in Perth, and we went out to this island called Rottnest Island, which was this is still one of the most magical vacations we've ever been on. And it literally is this private little island. It's not private, but it's it's an island off the coast of Western Australia. You have to take a boat there. There are no cars. You get off the boat, and they give you a bike and a bag with fins and a snorkel. And you ride around and there was this incredible hotel right on the beach that we stayed at for a night there that like opened your room opened up to the beach and it was amazing. But they had snorkeling spots all around the island that you could bike to and then hop off and go hang on the beach and go snorkel. And we found one area and this is when I realized that Kurt does not like snorkeling because we found one area and it was like a shipwreck you could kind of snorkel down to and see. And the mm-hmm. water was pretty choppy right there, and Kurt could not handle it whatsoever. Sorry, babe, for sharing the story. But then we went over to this other bit that was super calm, and it was a reef, and like the fish were beautiful, and the water was crystal clear, and you could just swim around in this area, and it was so amazing. And I loved every moment of it because somebody had told me that. It is perfectly safer on Rottnest Island because the water is too warm and too shallow for there to be any sharks. So I had that in my head. I found out that it was a complete (laughs) lie and there are sharks all over the place over there later. And I (laughs) will never go back and like did not the rest of the trip to Australia. We did not get in the ocean. We went like swimming in pools next to the ocean. But I would not get in the ocean because I was absolutely terrified I was going to become shark bait. Oh, wow. Well, speaking <laughs> of the note. ocean, I have, on that note, I have a date with my family to go Enjoy out to the it. ocean. We're going to go do a beach day in Malibu. Fun. Now that I've got my coffee. Are you going uh, to, are you going to, in Malibu, are you going to um, that one beach place that has a restaurant in like um, Paradise? Paradise Cove? Yeah. No, Paradise Cove. No, we we have done that one before. It's kind of pricey. We just like my personal favorite is Zuma Beach. My second favorite is a secret beach that is a public beach, but we never tell anybody. So I'm sorry. I'm Ooh. not going to share that on this podcast because literally nobody is there. Will you tell me later. And so I will tell you later. Okay. The other one we like is Leo Carrillo. That one is populated, but it has cool little tide pools with sea creatures in it. So if you've got little ones, take a bucket and you can go collect sea creatures and you know toss them back in the ocean before you go home. <laughs> well, that sounds lovely. It's a dark and gray and gloomy day in the bay. So we're going to enjoy that here. You enjoy the beach. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you would like to still reach out to us, tell us what you think, please. Like, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify 
Or you can shoot us an email at gendypodcast.com. We do have our website up. You can get a free quote for a vacation package. You can send us an email. Uh, you can just learn a little bit about Adam and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, cool. our exciting, wonderful lives. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. I hope it was fun. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, Adam. Bye. Bye.